Do you ever feel or, or wonder why God loves you? I mean, you know it up here, but do you ever feel in your heart that, well, maybe He really doesn't love me that much? Because, see, I know me. I know my mistakes. I know my troubles. I know my other side. How about you? And you think, how in the world could God love me? You know, we all know that we're supposed to live an obedient, holy life, but the tragedy is, I don't know anybody that does, other than maybe my wife, but... And we, we just... How could he love us? Listen, I don't care what my kids would do. I mean, I might get upset with them. It might hurt me. I might weep tears. But I will always love John and Bethany and Rebecca because they're my children. And if you're a child of God, if you have truly been born again and adopted in God's family, come on, he loves you. Come on, he loves you. He's got something he wants you to do and be, but he loves you. Give him a big hand this morning. See, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're glad they're here this morning. Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Ask you a question, honest question, no trick here. But how many people want to be successful in life? Let me see your hand. Now, the rest of you, you want to be failures? Come on. How many want to be successful in life? Everybody does. You want to have a successful marriage. You know, you don't go to the altar saying, yeah, I'm going to divorce you one day. No. You're, you, want to have, you want to be successful in raising your children. You want to see them do well. Uh, yesterday, my, my son just got in the mail from the uh, Arkansas Board of Accountancy, his final acceptance letter that you've met all the requirements, you know, and you're going to be a CPA and want you to come to the ceremony. Boy, my heart just was, was lit. When your kids are successful, you know, whatever your hobby is, you don't go to the ball field saying, you're yeah, going to lose today. No, you, you want to win. Whatever you do, if you're in sales, you're not going to get up in the morning saying, I can't go wait to go out and get rejected all day today. I don't want to make any money. No, you want to succeed. And success is more, come on, is more than just a bigger house and a nicer car. Success, though, is God's hands of favor, and we prosper in our lives. Well, let me tell you this. The Bible has a lot to say about success. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Moses gave some advice to his successor, Joshua. This is the message translation. It's got a cool little twist to it. Verse 8 says, Don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of your mind. Now, most of your translations say the book of the law. It's referring to the books of Moses, what was traditionally known as the, the law, the law of Deuteronomy, etc. But here the Message Bible says the book of Revelation where God has revealed Himself to man. God's Word, the Holy Scripture, the voice of God literally penned and, and spoken to people. Don't for a minute let it be out of your mind. But here's what it says, ponder and meditate on it, which simply means think about what you read in the Bible. Think about what you hear. This morning before church, I was here, I found a quiet spot, and I was reading from the Bible. I was reading Isaiah, and I was reading Mark, and as I read it, I, I took little notes, and I highlighted things, and there were several things that God was just really underscoring in my own personal life. So you think about it. You meditate on it. Notice what it says. Make sure you practice everything written in it, and then, it's that big four-letter word, then you'll get where you're going. Then you're going to succeed. So the Bible literally says of itself, that it contains God's key for success. It's a formula for success. You, you won't find it on late night TV. You can't order it for $99.95. You simply look in your Bible. You read about it. You hear the Word of God. Uh, I want to commend you for being in church this morning. 
You're here to worship God. You came to receive personal ministry and prayer, but you came to hear the Word of God expounded because you want to hear the Word of God. Well, the Bible says as we hear it, as we think about it, as we try to see how it applies to our life, as we put it into practice, the Bible promises us that we will be successful in life. Now, Jesus talked about this as well. When Jesus gave us a parable in our week's Bible reading in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4 is where we're going this morning, it's traditionally called the parable of the sower. Others call it the parable of the soils, the soil being the condition of our heart. And Jesus will literally tell us this as well. The level of my success in life will be determined by the way I allow God's Word to impact me. God's Word has power to transform our lives, but in this parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, Jesus will show us the lives of four people. Only one of them was a success and three of them were failures, and they failed because they did not allow God's Word to begin to work in their lives. So we're going to explore it this morning, but I've got a little YouTube video I want you to see. It's called The Parable of the Soils, kind of this parable in the modern vernacular. It's from Mark chapter 4 is where we'll begin. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still. Other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. That's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to produce a crop. He wants us to be fruitful or to be successful in life. Now, this parable that Jesus told, I want to illustrate it for you this morning. These bowls represent literally uh, different types of soil that Jesus spoke about, but they're a picture of our life. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning, you can see yourself on this stage. 
you could be in one or maybe a couple of these in your life. But Jesus said only one of them is the place of success, but there's three challenges you and I have got to face because in this parable, literally three out of four people never reached the potential of success that God had for them. Three out of four people cut off what God wanted to do in their life. Now listen, you can still have a good life. How many know 90 is a great grade? But if you have the potential to make 100, how many know 100 is where you should be? You know, if your kid has the potential to make an 80 and they make that 80 and you know they did their best, you applaud them. But you know if that child had the potential to be making A's, you're going to prod them along. Well, I want to suggest to you today, there's many Christians that are living at the C and B level that have the potential to be an A. And the whole determining factor is not whether God is good or God's going to help you or the devil's going to stop you, all those things. It is up to you to allow God's work to have its work in your life. Now, let me tell you this story. Uh, when we talk about seed, now Jesus will literally, as he'll tell us what this means, he says in Mark chapter 4, verse 3, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now Jesus is going to tell us that seed is the Word of God. If you know anything about seed, seed, if you looked at this seed, it's a big butter bean seed I've got, but it's just kind of lifeless. If you were to take a bag of butter beans and these seeds and put them in some water on medium and let it be in there 20 or 30 minutes, before you know it, you know, there's going to come a little bit of an aroma. If water goes down a little bit. You put some butter in there. You put some salt and pepper. How many know you've got something good to eat? But it's all over. You could take that same dry seed that has the potential of life and put it in the ground. I, I'm a gardener. I, it's one of my hobbies. I planted some corn about two weeks ago, and now it's about four inches tall. It's growing. And that's what the seed has the potential to do, is to grow. And Jesus will tell you today that His Word has the potential to transform you, to change you, if you will allow yourself to get beyond the barriers of one, two, and three, and be good soil. Now, let me illustrate what Jesus said. Jesus said the first problem, and I'm going to kind of plant some seeds here from my Bible. Now, this to you may look good. It's dark soil, but the problem you can't see is it's got a barrier on the top. It's like a picture, if you can imagine, a pathway going through a field where people have walked on it. It's hard. The, the, the seeds can't pierce the ground, and it's a barrier that's there. And what Jesus is going to say, this barrier has to do with hardness, and he'll tell us that birds come, and literally they just take the seeds away. They eat those seeds so they don't have an opportunity to take a root in your life. And Jesus will tell us that it's a spiritual thing at work that Satan wants to steal the seed. Well, here's another one, and I will suggest this is where many, many Christians are this morning. It, it, to you, it looks like a bowl of rocks. But what you can't see, there's some soil in the middle. And if you put some seeds in that soil in the springtime, you know, some of them are going to find that little bit of dirt. It's like, how in the world can grass grow in your sidewalk and not your yard? I can't figure it. I mean, they just grow. But, you know, when it gets about 90 degrees, 95 degrees, you wait about four, five, six weeks, it's going to be hot again, and you're going to be wishing it was wintertime. But when it gets hot, and if it's not raining, guess what? That little plant is going to wither and die. The, Jesus said, you will not make it if you don't have deep roots. And this, bear, this is what happens to most Christian people. They don't allow themselves to grow spiritually. And when you don't have deep spiritual roots, trouble or difficulties come and you fall away and you're not successful, you don't produce. Now here's a huge, huge challenge. I would say this is my biggest one and for many in this room is these are weeds. And if you know anything about gardening, if you try to plant seeds among weeds, guess what's going to happen? Not much. It might grow just a little bit and barely have life in it. And this is the challenge for most of us because there's so many things to do. 
These are not evil things now. These are not sins. This is not the temptations that we wrestle with every day. This is just things of life that make life so busy that we just crowd out our ability to live for God and to serve Him. And then, of course, the last illustration Jesus gave has to do with seeds in good soil, that when you put those seeds in the ground, guess what? When you wait a while, I'm going to go out in my garden. That corn that's now four inches tall one day is going to have ears on it. And it's going to start turning brown, and I'm going to beat the raccoons, and I'm going to beat the crows, and I'm going to open it up. I'm going to take it to the house and say, honey, look what God caused to grow in our garden. Well, Jesus is saying, I want this for all of you. I want this for your marriage. I want it for your children, your relationship with your children. Uh, I, I want it for your job. I want it for your business. I want it for your ministry. See, this is what Jesus wanted. We had a team that went to drill water wells. I, I, I saw Tim here, and I see Jason. I don't know if anyone else is here. Those guys went to impoverished village in Mexico, and they didn't say, we want to go and just waste money. We don't want to get in, drill any water. No, every day, three days, and they got three brand-new wells where people didn't have fresh water to drink. Isn't that a great thing? Well, that's fruit. And God wants you to be successful when you share your faith with someone, when you pray for someone. God wants to see spiritual growth in your life, and He wants to see influence. Well, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, hopefully, through the Word of God, you'll see how this, uh, the Lord wants you to recognize this barrier and this one and this one so you can end up being the person on the right. Let's take a peek. You may want to go with me first to Hebrews chapter 4. And let me speak just a little bit more about this idea of God's Word having spiritual power to transform your life. Now, let me say it again. If you're just kind of a little skeptical here and, and maybe new in the exposure to Christianity, there is a power in the Bible unlike any book. Now, Jesus told us, He said in the parable, when He explained this parable, the parable is a story in the natural to explain things in, uh, spiritually. Well, Jesus told us that the farmer sows the Word of God. So God's Word is like seed. God's Word is His revelation to man. God's Word is, is, is His words on paper to us, but it's not just information. It's not just history. The Bible is not like Reader's Digest. The Bible is not like a, a psychology textbook in school. The Bible tells us of itself in Hebrews 4.12, God's Word is alive and working. Can you say it's alive? It has the potential to produce change. Imagine today if, uh, if your car is dead. You go out to crank, crank your battery in your car and nothing happens. And you go, oh, help, 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 what am I going to do? And somebody with a brain, a car brain goes out and says, listen, you got a dead battery, so you need a new battery. So you go down to Walmart or wherever you go, you go to the auto zone and you, you, you get a battery. Well, when you pick up that battery off that shelf, it, it, it gives no appearance of life whatsoever, does it? It's just a black box that's going to cost you about $65 to $100. I mean, you take that thing and it looks like nothing. But there is someone smarter than me that knew how to engineer that battery so that it has the potential to produce life. And you go and you put that in your car and you connect the post and you get in the car and it takes an engine that had zero inertia of its own and that engine begins to move and turn and combustion begins to take place and then you put that thing in R and it begins to move. The Bible has the same potential if you will allow yourself to have it work deeply in your heart and work through your life. It will cause you to be successful, listen, in your marriage, in your business. You may be a business person. The way, how many know the Bible tells you how to treat your employees? See, and how many know if you treat your employees right, you're less apt to be sued? 
I mean, we just live in a world. The Bible is a practical book, friend. The Bible will teach you how to treat other people. When you're in a situation that's hostile, you know violence could break out, the Bible tells you that a soft answer does what? Turns away wrath. And you want to punch them out, but you have a little more spiritual maturity about you. And before guns and fists go to flying, you have an ability to just turn the whole situation by your words. And it's not because you're some, you know, charismatic, persuasive person. It's simply because you took the Bible and applied it to everyday life. I want to tell you, the Bible will work if you put it into practice. You see, God's Word is alive. God's Word is the only source of truth on this planet. Now, this is, this is unpopular. If I were on the Good Morning America or some show and I were to say that I believed in absolute truth, if I believed that God had communicated to mankind standards of right and wrong, I would be laughed at in secular America today. I'd be laughed at. I'd be laughed at by these people that have become so smart that they believe that everything they see in this world, the glory of the creation, the flowers coming out of the earth, the birds singing, the daffodils, all that's going on around us, the heavens and the glory of man, these smart people will tell you that all of that came from nothing. Rather than an intelligent designer was behind it. Come on. See, the Bible tells me that we believe by faith that the world were fashioned by the Word of God. So the starting place for me when I look at science is not what they say at the university. The starting place for me is the Bible. And listen, the facts of life will line up with the Bible. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky here. God's Word is alive and working. Jesus told us in John 17, 17, your Word is truth. Well, the second thing the Bible will do for you, the Bible will activate your faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So when you come and you're taught the Bible, when you go to a Bible study, when you read the Bible, that's why we give you these Bible guides where we hope that you take time each day and read the Bible. When you hear it, it will evoke faith in your heart to believe God, that whatever's going on in your circumstances, that God will cause you to believe. He'll give you hope. He'll show you a way out. You see, God speaks to us through His, through His Word and through His Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit can show you what to do in any situation. So what I'm telling you is God's Word has power. It has power to fix a broken life. Well, why do you think that last year the Gideons gave out 75 million copies of the Bible around the world for free and people were just taking them all the time? They took it for the same reason I did as a 19-year-old boy. When a Gideon says, I want to give you a Bible, it'll change your life. And I began to read it. And as I read that Bible, I turned from someone who had a big hole in their heart, someone that tried to find happiness through partying, through alcohol, and through drugs, and a, a, a lifestyle now that I'm ashamed of. And it was an empty life. Life, and he said, God can give you what you're looking for. Right. And as I began to read the Bible, I saw that there's a better way of living. And can I tell you, my friend, listen, I've been married 28 years. My wife and I, she's not committed adultery and I've not committed adultery. We're together after 28 years. Now listen, she's perfect and I'm not, but I'm working at it. But I'm telling you, I don't have to check her text messages to see if she's hitting on some man. Come on. I'm just telling you, it's way better to live that way because you have allowed the Word of God to work in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you're not perfect. It doesn't mean you don't have problems and you don't have struggles. But the Word of God will help you get on the right path and stay on the right path. But when you fall off the path, it'll help you get back on the path. 
You see, the Bible is not just a prescriptive book. The Bible is a book that can help you get redeemed and get you back on track in life. Well, it's got power, but it only has power. And here's what Jesus is telling us. Jesus is telling us it'll only produce success and fruit is if you will eliminate these three barriers that are stopping the Word of God from working in your life. Now, let's spend the last 20 minutes talking about these three barriers. And I want you to look with me in your Bible as we begin in Mark and let's look at this first barrier to stopping your success. It's the word theft. Can you say theft? If Satan is able to steal God's word from our heart, we will not be successful. Let me say it again. If he's able to steal the word. Now, Jesus said this, not some preacher. Look at verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path. I think of the video where you saw the field of corn and a path going through it where nothing was growing on that path. No success there. Some people are like that where the Word of God is sown. As soon as they hear it, what's it say? Say it again. Say it one more time. Satan comes. And what he does is he takes away the Word that was sown in them. Now, again, good morning, America. If I said Satan is out there and working, they would say, you're Looney Tunes. This week, uh, uh, Mr. Farrakhan said that the reason President Obama take Libya is because demons invaded his soul. Well, I don't know about Farrakhan or President Obama, but I do know that there is a real uh, 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 angelic fallen being named Lucifer. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is a liar. One day he's going to be cast into the lake of fire, but at this point in time, he is working against you, and his demonic minions are trying to stop the work of God in your life. See, Jesus fought this adversary on the 40-day temptation, and each time when Satan would attack him, Jesus would respond with what? The Word of God. And he would say, it's written. So he realized his adversary was coming to destroy his life, but he responded with the living Word of God, and Satan fled and left him. Now, Satan knows that God's Word has spiritual power to transform your life and make you successful. Satan knows that. He knows God's Word can transform your life. So here's the question. If he wants to stop the Word from taking effect in your life, how does he do it? If Satan wants to hinder from you, how in the world does it do it? Let me suggest this to you. He wants to influence the way you think. Let me say it again. The greatest spiritual battleground that you'll ever fight is right up here. Some of these thoughts that you think have demonic origin. But there's also a bird that's trying to steal the thought from your mind. Now, let me tell you how this works. This is one example. Let's say you're having problems in your marriage. Let's say you're both a professing Christians. Let's say, uh, let's say uh, the wife reads a passage in Scripture and from Ephesians, and it says that she's to honor her husband, respect him, that she's to show him honor. Uh, a, a man's greatest need, by the way, ladies, in case you don't know that, he needs a cheerleader. And she reads that, but, you know, he's been acting like a dog. And he, he may not deserve honor, but how many know we don't just give people what they deserve. We try to cooperate with God. So God is trying to direct her in her daily Bible reading time. She reads something about forgiveness. And she said, you know, she didn't want to forgive, but she knows that that's, that's the way to get over this hurdle. Well, then she goes out with some of her friends. And I want to tell you this. The people you hang out with will determine the kind of person you become. If you're having married trouble, if you go to some mad divorced person for advice, 
If you go to some counselor that's been divorced three or four times and hates the opposite sex, come on, wants to take it out on, you're not going to get good godly advice. And you're sitting at lunch, and that whole lunchtime was roasting your husband, the father of your children, the person that you made vows to, all of which wanted to, you know, do everything horrible imaginable under the sun to him. And you listen to them, and you get in the car, and you have this thought. Well, you know what? And one of these sisters around the table even said, God wants you to be happy. See, when I got divorced, he told me he wanted me to be happy, and I could leave that sorry ass, so you know what? That is not the voice of God. And then you sit in the car, and you just read your Bible. Come on. And God showed you how to get through. But then something happened. Little birds that you had lunch with just took all the seed, and they just took it away, and now they're sitting on you, and onto the divorce court you go. It is how it works. It's spiritual warfare. There's a battle in your mind. Satan wants to pull up these seeds of the Word. Now, listen to me just a second. I want you to hear this. We're not even aware how this battle works because we're so infused by it. Like, like I'm not even aware of what's in the air around me. Reason and feelings have replaced revelation and faith. Let me say it again. Reason and feelings have replaced revelation and faith. Our culture, our educational culture, gives more credence to Plato and Aristotle than they do to the creator of the world and the Bible. In the 18th century, think of history now, the age of enlightenment, doesn't it just sound good? The age of enlightenment, the age of reason, it sounds just as good as in the Garden of Eden when Satan came to Eve and said, this will make you smart like God. And what happened is people began to reject the revelation of God. Many, many people were illiterate. They would go to church, to the Catholic church, and they would see the, 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 the portraits that portrayed the Bible. And these religious icons would give them a sense. They would look at the heavens, and even in their simplicity, would recognize the grandeur of God. But what began to happen is reason and science began to replace God. So that today, some of the most, as we say, educated people in our science classes across America believe that everything in this world came from nothing and that there is no purpose for you. And you, as a human being, the most complex of all creation on this planet, with a unique DNA code that is different from the other six billion people on the planet, you came from pond scum. Now that's the product when reason and logic, and then people won't choose to, I can't believe it unless we can prove it in the laboratory, unless the majority tells me, unless a professional tells me. Listen, the professional can't even tell you if margarine's better than butter. I'm just saying. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Look at verse 5. Now we're talking about spiritual warfare. We take captive every... Say it again. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to, obedient to Christ. Do you know what that sister, when she's having lunch with those girls and they're steadily trying to throw the word away, if she would just pause just a minute and say, you know what, I'm, I, I, I'm done. Give me the ticket. And go out to the car and tear up that hard place and say, Jesus, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to find some new friends. I'm going to get a new counselor because I want your word to go in my heart. I want to give my children the best opportunity they can have in life so that they can have their daddy and we can have a good life. And Jesus, I don't want to honor that bum. I want to, I, but if you, if you want me to love him like you loved me, 
I'm just telling you. The Bible will work every time you practice it. Look at verse 16. The second barrier is immaturity. Now, this is a big one. If we don't grow spiritually, we won't be successful. Punch your neighbor and tell them, if you don't grow spiritually, you won't be successful. Now, it's a fact. Look at verse 16. Others, Jesus talking now, like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Now, this is the person that comes to church. They weep at an altar. Or, or, or maybe they have a fresh experience with Christ in the counselor's office. But in some way, the word of God comes, they bring joy. But since they have no root, everybody say root, they last only a short time. Now, here's the issue. When trouble or persecution comes, it doesn't say if trouble is coming. It says when it comes. And my friend, when trouble comes to you, this good God that's supposed to be kind of like Santa and answer your every prayer and keep you from every problem and trouble, when trouble comes in my life, if you don't have spiritual roots, you fall away. And what Jesus is saying, he said, your life is, listen, there's some dirt in there and the Word of God started, but you live your life based on feelings and experiences that you have with God and in church and other places rather than the daily disciplines that will make you strong for the long haul. And I can tell you, most people fall away because they don't have deep roots in their life. Most people, when they have financial pressures, problems at home, when they battle sickness, when they pray a prayer and it's not answered, my gosh, my friends, have you not read your Bible? Every person in the Bible that had any measure of success faced horrendous adversity. Joseph saved the world in his day in the land of Egypt, but he went 13 years as a slave, didn't have a Bible, didn't have a preacher, didn't have a mama, didn't have a daddy by himself. He's only doing good and he's receiving evil and bad. I'm telling you, if you don't have roots that go down deep in God, you will fall away when difficulty comes. That's why I'm constantly trying to push a Bible guide. And some people are probably, oh, not another one. What a waste of trees. That's why God made trees. We want loggers to stay in business. We want people that grow trees to make money. This, the church is not like Walmart. I'm not trying to just get you come back next week and buy milk and Cheerios. I don't want to sell you a money order. I, you know, I don't want to give you an eye exam when you're in my store. Listen, we want to see you grow spiritually. I can guarantee you, if you will read your Bible every day and be quiet and think about what it says and try to apply it in your life, if you will go to a Bible study and get deeper in the Word of God, if you will just involve yourself in church, not just coming as a spectator, but if you will begin to serve the Lord, if you will begin to share your faith, if you will sacrifice a vacation and go to a missions trip, you will never be the same because you saw poor people, listen, that didn't have anything that gave them a fresh drink of water and the first time they looked at your eyes, you realize the compassion of God for hurting humanity and you can do something about it. But you only do that as if you sacrifice time and money and you don't go to wherever, Florida or Branson, and you invest some of yourself. I'm telling you, friends, that's success. And you are not going to grow. Listen, you're not going to be successful if you don't put down deep roots. See? Because you may have to endure something. 
You, you, you have got to be here next week. We're going to have a, a brother from the Middle East that's going to be here. A former Muslim priest, a Christian standing for God. And when all this upheaval breaks out in the Middle East, listen, they ran from their homes. They left their churches because people were being killed in the streets. Listen, you're following what's going on in what Afghanistan today because some American, I, I wish the pastor hadn't done this, he burned a Koran, and now they're killing non-Muslim people there in the nation of... Listen, it's a world out there that's crazy that we can't identify with. Can you imagine, if you don't have deep roots, how you would survive? If they told you to renounce your faith or they'll pull your teeth out with a pair of pliers, and they did that to this man. They shot him and left him for dead, but he still wants to go back and bring the gospel to his people. Why? Because roots have gone deep. And I'm telling you, you will disappear not only just from this church, but in your spiritual life, if you don't go deeper. But guess what? If you will go deeper, your failed marriage just might get healed. If you will go deeper, your business just might turn around. If you will go deeper, you just might be successful in the ventures of your life because Jesus is with you, friend, and he's not going to forsake you or turn you around. But if your roots just keep going down, you're going to hit the tap water one day. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Go to verse 18. This last barrier, I think, is the greatest challenge in American Christianity. If you don't stay focused on the main thing, you're going to miss what's most important. Now, I want you to look at this one with me. It has to do with this great temptation that's faced by American Christians today. It's distractions. Jesus said the seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear the Word of God. Now, this word has potential. It's just like the seed to grow into a corn plant. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by what? Worries of this life, cares of the world. These are not sins. This is not the challenge that you had to fight last night. This is not the temptation that you battle every day for righteousness and, and, and holiness. This is things that are not bad in your life. These are the busy things, the good things. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things. They choke the Word, and no fruit is produced. Now listen to what the Message Bible says. It says they're overwhelmed with the worries about the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. Overwhelmed, listen now, by everything I have to do, and let me add to the, the things I want to do. Turkey season's coming up, okay? It's my hobby. I want to do it. I don't have to do it, but I will find a way to get up at 4 in the morning. Come on. If you have the right place, I'd get up with you at 3.30 just to go and hear a, a bird go gobble, gobble, gobble in the tree. I mean, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like the feeling you get when you look at the back of the newspaper and they're selling those shoes you want at Dillard's for 50% off. It's that same feeling that you have when you get the email and they want you to play on the tournament team. I'm telling you, we've all got something. We've got things that we have to do. Listen, every working person in this room today, to have a measure of success, you don't just work 40 hours a week. I'm telling you, you're giving the bulk of your life to your job to get there to keep yourself trained. If you're a single mom trying to raise kids and now you can't make it on $8 an hour and you've got to go back to college, I want to tell you, your life is just filled with things. And they're not bad things, but they're filled with things. And you try to add a little fun. How about chasing kids? I mean, I love my child, but listen, I want the ball game to be over. It's after 9 o'clock. 
I'm, I know I'm a bad parent. I'm not a great parent like you. But listen, how many nights a week are we going to need to play ball? If you're not careful, one of our elders has 10 grandkids. Can you imagine buying birthday presents for 10 grandkids? Papa, I want you to come to my game. Papa, I want you to come to my recital. Papa, I'm dancing. Come watch me. Get your phone and put it on FaceTime and watch me. Papa, come on. Papa's just trying to wake up from his nap. He just got home from work. And then when mama calls you up and said, can you take them to practice? And dad says, can you pick them up from practice? I'm going to tell you, you're just busy. And those are not bad things, but they're the blight of America. And I'm telling you, what God is trying to do is he's trying to get his seed growing in our lives. And somehow, I can't tell you how to do this because I got my own challenges. I like to have a nice yard. I like my car to be clean. And it's just overwhelming out there, but somehow... I've got to make sure that real success is more important. I've got to come up with some money in the Miller household to invest in missions. I've got to come up with some time, come on, to go to the mission field. I've got to take some time to share my faith. I've got to find a way to go and study the Bible. I, I've got to get to this church on Wednesday night and listen to Joe teach Genesis. I've I got to get to the Connect class. Are, are you with me today? That's the reason we do that, Connect class. We want to help you get on the road to, to your spiritual success. We want to help you grow spiritually. You've got to find a way so you can start putting seeds in the ground so God can cause it to grow, and you can have more than just a nice house and a car, but you can have a life of significance. Give the Lord a good hand today. I'll close with this, and then we'll pray together. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Jesus now, back to his words, this parable of the soils. He said, others, other people, now this is the one in four. This is what we all want to be like. We're like seed that's sown on good soil. We hear the word, we accept it, and we produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times more than what was sown. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want your life to be just like this. I want you to have a heart that somehow you have discerned the voice of the enemy and you don't let him steal the word. You, you, your roots are going down deep in, in your spiritual life. You're growing spiritually. You're strong. You're not allowing yourself to be distracted by things. You enjoy the grandkids, you enjoy the, enjoy the ball game, you get a turkey and all that, but bottom line, this is you. Your life is growing, and you open it up, and there's something there of substance. It's been more than just a life where I had a little fun, where I watched some TV, and I, I got, you know, I stood in line for, you know, 10 hours to get a new phone. Isn't that the craziest thing I've ever heard in your life? Standing in line to get something that's outdated in six months? Come on. And that you may not even know how to... Uh. And it's a choice. If you just put the, allow the seed of the Word of God to get in you, it'll grow. Our text this morning was Joshua 1.8. Don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of your mind. Ponder it. Meditate on it day and night. Making sure you practice everything written in it. And then will you get where you're going then you'll succeed. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Well, that's what God wants for you, for your job, for your business, for your hobbies, for your family, for your kids. He wants success. He wants success in your spiritual life. You're created with a purpose. He wants you to influence many people to come into the kingdom of God. He wants someone to drink some water because you gave just a little bit. He wants someone to read a Bible because you bought a Bible. See, God.
God is concerned very, very much about our success in this life. Somebody say, praise the Lord. And the key is allowing His Word to get in me. Hear it. Read it on my own. Think about it. You know, I read my Bible. I've read a chapter through, and I shut the Bible, and sometimes I can't even remember what I just read. You don't do that, do you? It's happening the older that I get. Well, you know what I do? I've been taking notes in it, and I've been highlighting and underlining. I just go back and look at it again. And then when I look at it again, I'm like a kind of a cow chewing its cud. You know, I'm just kind of thinking about it. And then before I know it, that thing I forgot sticks out in my mind. If you'll read it, think about it. Allow God to talk to you and just let its roots go down and put it into practice. You friend will be successful. And we're going to take some time and allow God to work with us. I think this is the greatest part of the service this last couple minutes. is because you have a time to put into practice, to act on what you've heard. How many will honestly say you heard something this morning, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you, something about your spiritual life that you need to begin to do different? Let me see your hand. Say, God was speaking to me. Thank God. It should be that way. Every time you come to church, something from the Bible, God speaks to me. Now, here's how we're going to close. It's something I know about life. Sometimes I need the strength of another Christian to help me get over the hump. Sometimes I need to just humble myself and tell another person, I want you to pray for me. You may be here this morning, and you may be spiritually dry. Your Bible times evaporated. The best thing I can do to give you advice is this, friend. Come up to somebody and just tell them. Swear them to secrecy, but just say, you know what? I'm dry. I want God to help me get it going again. Others may be here, and your life may be overwhelmed. You may be like all those weeds. You may be a single mom or a single dad, and you don't know how in the world to do it. And the thought of adding one more thing just makes you stressed beyond words. Can I tell you this? God knows how to get you out of that mess. And there's no problem that you're in or facing that God can't help you with. There's no hole so deep that God can't help you get out of. You can take somebody by the hand and pray with them, and God just might honor that act of prayer. But your needs may be, it may be something else. You might have brought a great burden to church this morning, and you want to leave it with God. Somebody, they'll pray for you. Or maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone you love and care about that needs God to help them. Listen, you come and join forces in prayer. And let God, listen, hear that prayer. Here's the last group. And what we're going to do in just a minute, we're all going to stand. And our prayer team is going to come. And anybody that wants prayer is going to come on up here for prayer. And then we'll go home. But my last opportunity for prayer is this. Are you here today and your relationship with God is not where it needs to be? Now, this is the most important thing. Your relationship with God's not where it needs to be. You may have gotten away from God and just don't really know how it happened. You could have had a real strong walk with God at one time in your life, and it just is kind of gone. And today, you want to get back on track. Maybe you're like me. I was raised in a church, and I just kind of thought you went to church, you're more good than bad, and that's all it takes you. You know, you get to heaven. It's more than that, friend. Jesus wants you to surrender your life to Him. Jesus wants you to be born again. To truly be saved is to walk away from an old life to follow Christ. Being a Christian is not just believing some information. It's about following Christ. Because one day you're going to stand before God and give an account for your life. Sister Dorothy's son, 42 years of age, had a funeral here yesterday. This question was asked of all of his friends. If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Are you living for God? And I was amazed. About 15 men in their 30s and 40s came to the altar and said, I want to get right with God.
I'm tired of the way that I used to live. I'm tired of the way I used to live. I'm ready to get my life on track, and I want to surrender my life to Christ. Listen, if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I don't want to leave this church the way I came. I want to get right with God today. I want people to pray for me. Let me see your hands. Say, pray for me this morning. I want to get right with God. Come on, give that young man a hand. God bless you, and God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I want to get right with God. Let me see your hand. God bless you. Give him a hand on the front row. Anybody else? I want to get right with God. Don't be afraid. Listen, they're going to clap for you today. It'll be hard tomorrow. Will you make a step for Christ today? God bless you, dear. Give her a big hand in the back. Somebody else. I believe there's one more person here today. I want to get right with God today. We're not going to hurt you. You're not joining this church right now. I'm just asking you to make a step to Christ because here's what I know. If I can't make a step to Christ when people will clap their hands, I'll never do it when I'm at school on Monday. I'll never do it in the workplace. And Jesus wants you to be unashamed and unafraid to stand for Him my last time. If you're here and say, Pastor, pray for me this morning. I want to get right with God. Let me see your hand too. Anyone else this morning? Anybody else? All right, praise the Lord. Well, God bless you too, dear. I knew you were here. God bless you. God bless you. Every step to God is always a right step. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet? Our prayer team is coming right now. And if you just lifted your hands to get right with God, I want you to come right now. Come on, just slip out of your chair. Come let somebody pray for you. If you're here today, you wanted prayer regarding the worries of life or all those things we talked about, you come on up. Let somebody pray for you now. Come let us pray with you. We're going to sing this through one time. Pray.